Well, uh, Shelly and I were recently on a cruise. We cruised uh, Carnal Cruise Lines. Oh, I'm sorry. What did I say? Carnal. That's the name they should have had. And one morning I was having devotions on deck. I was the only one, as far as I could tell, that was having devotions. And I started thinking about what I loved about this cruise. And I realized the ultimate thing, it wasn't the food, it wasn't the entertainment, the ports of call, all that was great. But one word gripped me that best described what I loved about it. Entitlement. If you've been on a cruise, you know what I mean. You pay your money and then you're entitled to sing your favorite song. It's all about me. A cruise is about in, you're entitled to be pampered. And as I was thinking about entitlement, food whenever I wanted, people to pamper me day and night, no responsibilities, people who clean my cabin morning and night and turn the towels into funny-looking animals, which Shelley took pictures of every night. Uh, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that in some ways that's the way people today think about the church. Look at the screen, you'll get what I mean. Last video, I promise.
Jesus Christ left the church a certain and noble mission. And to get where Trinity is today and where we intend to go, we're not there by any stretch of the imagination, but to understand what we are gripped by, that says it all. We don't want to be a cruise ship, we want to be a battleship. Jesus said these words at the beginning of his ministry in Matthew 4, 18 through 19. You can look on the screens this morning if you don't want to pop your Bible open. It's very simple. You've heard it many times. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Give me just a couple minutes to share my heart this morning based on this text. It has gripped me so powerfully lately. This is the first call of Jesus to his disciples. And there are no bones about it. It is not illusory. He is clear as can be. If you follow me, I will so change you that you will be as I have been a fisher of men. That the passion for mission which is in my heart will be in your heart. And Jesus made it known from the beginning. That's where following him leads to. You can't follow Jesus. I'm going to say something that will be very upsetting. But you can't follow Jesus and not care about the mission. When Jesus transforms you, you love what he loved. You care about what he cares. But here's the rub. I love the little middle phrase there. Follow me. And I will make you. You're so selfish. I'm so selfish. That I need a miracle called grace to transform my heart. And the abandonment to mission is not the result of churches being hammered by leaders. I'm not going to do that this morning. And make you feel really guilty about your lack of sharing the gospel. That will not work. I grew up in a church where they hammered you every Sunday about how you failed in the mission and you came to the altar every week and repented and rededicated your dedication only to be back next week. That doesn't work. If we say that Jesus has called us to abandon our lives to the mission, we need a gospel that changes our hearts so radically that we freely give ourselves away to Jesus and others. Mission isn't you ought. Mission is you get. I get to cooperate with Jesus who's gathering the elect into the barn. And the only way I can do that is through the gospel changing my heart, which is why the greatest need, the most vital uh, priority of any local church is not how it does mission, how it does children's ministry, how it does youth ministry. The greatest need for any church is that the people in that church are continually growing in and learning to apply the biblical gospel to their lives. There are people in this church, we don't have time to interview them this morning, they have been transformed by the gospel. And we are learning that the gospel is not just the message that gets us in the door. See, many of us grew up with that notion. You get saved by the gospel. 
That's the end of your relationship to the gospel. It gets you in the kingdom. Now you need things like discipleship, holiness, prayer, deliverance, the gifts, all of these things. And what happens that these things, which are biblical, become laws and rules and principles that we must perform if we're going to get the blessing. If we're good Christians, we'll pray a lot, we'll read our Bibles, we'll witness to people, we'll do those things. And many of us are not doing those things, and we feel terrible about it, and we beat ourselves up for being bad Christians. Our greatest need is to be so impacted by a God who loves you unconditionally, just as you are. I've been asking a question. I asked it at staff, and some of the elders are using it in their triads. I said, what's the one thing, let me ask you, what's the one thing you need to do to love God more? And I shouldn't have asked it because Mark gave the right answer. He knew it right off the bat. But how do you respond to that? I need to pray more. I need to love God more. I need to love my family more. I need to share the gospel more. I need to stop eating as much. I need to uh, uh, stop uh, watching so much television. All of which may be true. But isn't it interesting how we answer that question? Well, here's the biblical answer. The way you need to love God more is by first grasping in a practical and powerful way that you are loved by an unconditional God even before you change. That He doesn't love you more because you're performing well. Think about that. And when you come into the purview of love that powerful and unconditional, then you begin to change. Our love for God is a response to unconditional love. But so many of us are living performance-based lives where we feel that until we match up or, or raise our level of Christian performance and sanctification, we are not on God's good list. Here's the rub. If you want the gospel to impact you, then you first need grace to understand that the gospel can't impact you until you first know how weak, selfish, frail, and needy you are. Let me make it plainer than that, because I'm a plain guy. It's only as you first recognize that you're a wreck that you can change. I take issue with that. I'm not a wreck. I'm a good guy. I'm, a, I'm, I'm struggling, but I'm, I'm good. Grace introduces us through the gospel to the upside down kingdom. It's only as we realize how weak we are that we're strong. It's only as we realize how proud we are that we can really be humble. It's only as we realize how selfish we are that we can learn to love. So that's why as a church, we will not drive you into mission, condemn you and guilt you into evangelism. Anybody been through that? It doesn't work. It stinketh. 
It works for about a weekend. But it slowly fits away. But then Jesus said, if you follow me, I will make you, I will transform you, and you will be fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Notice he didn't say swappers of fish. Now, I know God moves people from fellowships. There's a legitimacy. Uh, There are people that have come to us from other fellowships. God can move people in his house. My son can move to a different bedroom and still be in my house. I get that. God moves people at times for strategic reasons. But I want us to be a church that is growing because like Jesus, our master, we are seeking and and saving that which is lost. I want sinners to get saved through Trinity's ministry, not disgruntled church members to move in. Now, I know it's late and I'm not going to speak long. Please hear me. Now, this command to be fishers of men, let's be fair, was given to apostles and not many of us in this room are apostles. But everyone in this room is called to fish somewhere. Everybody in this room has been appointed by God a fishing hole. And by the way, I thought about this. This is really heavy. Uh, This is hard to understand. I'm not a fisherman. Tyler likes to fish. I guys have tried to get me out. Uh, I don't like it. I don't know why. I guess I can't sit still that long. And uh, but everybody's called to fish. And here's a revelation. If you want to catch fish. You probably have to have a line in the water somewhere. Is that? You're not sure. Some of you are like, what's it's not a trick question. But here's the good news. Everybody look at me. Fishing is not doing what the apostles did in Acts. Apostles are called to do that. But it's doing what I'm doing relating to a neighbor because our dogs like to hang out. Maybe for you, it's building a relationship with a woman at work who's going through a painful divorce. Maybe it's someone coaching a little league baseball team. Or just caring for neighbors and bringing food to them at hurting times. Maybe some of you can't preach like Peter, but you have an ability to make friendships. People like hanging with you. You can proactively build relationships and friendships with people who are lonely and in need. That's your fishing hole. Maybe you can't teach the Bible like one of our elders, but you can throw parties like Matthew and fill your house with ungodly people and bring some elders over. Make them squirm. The elders, not the sinners. Now, one of the problems with mission, Alan Hirsch, in a groundbreaking book, he's a Jewish believer from Australia. I've uh, spoken with him through via email. He wrote a book called Shaping of Things to Come, and he reminds us that when Jesus said we should be fishers of men, uh, 
we should not think of fishing in terms of what I grew up with in Florida, where, you know, retirees sitting on lakes uh, with the lines in the, in the lake reading the Wall Street Journal. That fishing was done with huge nets that dragged in fish from the sea. And it was a very violent and messy process. When they pulled up the nets, they not only caught fish, but how many know they caught a lot of other things as well. Which goes right along with my translation of Matthew 5. A city set on a hill. You're the light of the world. A city set on the hill attracts, uh, cannot be hidden. My translation, this is Silverberg, it's not biblical. A city set on a hill attracts all kinds of weird insects. <laughs> Mission is messy. When one of my first pastors in the Church of God in 1971 looked out on Coconut Grove, Miami, and saw all these hippies, including one named Sandy Simons, he started praying that God would save the hippies. And God saved a hundred of us and brought us into the nice uh, church of God that had new carpet. And we didn't have shoes. And we smelled from pot. And the deacons began to complain to the pastor. We can't, we got to have a dress code. And he wisely said, someone said he said it or it was said by another that he said it. I don't know if he said it or it just was repeated, but someone said that he said to the deacons, Jesus always catches his fish before he cleans them. <laughs> so here's what it looks like. Put up that gospel equals transformation. I'm going to cut to the case and we're going to segue into our close. Gospel equals transformation. When Gary talked about gospel ministry. Kevin followed up on a prophetic exhortation. The gospel produces transformed people. Transformed people engage in mission. One of the ways we want to do mission is through our house churches. Everybody who's part of the Trinity community. House churches is how we do church. Everyone who's part of this community should attach themselves to a house church. We're going to start new ones in this coming second half of the year. We're already working behind the scenes to do that. I think the house churches are critical because there's a whole generation of people that won't come to buildings, but they'll come to homes for a meal and hang out. But for people to be on mission, there's another equation to that formula. They have to be equipped. And so we want to be equipping church. We take very seriously Ephesians 4. Mark talked about triads. We have other means of equipping. We have ministries here. I'm not going to name all of them for time's sake. I do want to say about Kevin and Christine Cunningham that they've agreed to serve as our new missions coordinators. And we'll be talking about that down the road. And Norma Melissa will continue to lead the missions care team side of it. And we want to equip people. I end with this. We want to equip people not in a technical way so they're just all dressed up and have nowhere to go, but we want to equip them because equipping is not an end in itself. It is a means to allow people to contribute to our church and to the mission in significant ways. 
I've been in churches where we were big about equipping, but no, but there weren't significant ways. And, and one of my jobs is to equip future elders. And we have an elder training track with some new men involved. And, and uh, we want to equip leaders continually for this church because I want to tell you, and we don't have a date, we don't have plans, but we're not stopping at two sites. We want to grow in further out in areas of Trinity uh, of Knoxville where we feel that God's called us to let down our nets. So we have to train leaders. And in order to do that, we have to equip them so they can contribute in significant ways. But not just elders. That's not the only way you significantly contribute to the life of a local church. Everybody in this building right now is on mission. You say, I cannot share the gospel. I don't have a good hold. But you can make friends. You can bring somebody that's going through the painful divorce at work to hang out with some of your Christian girlfriends. Go take in a movie. That's gospel mission. You can build a relationship with a neighbor. But I I don't know really how to explain the gospel. So bring that person in time to someone who does. Mission is not a call to suddenly be something you're not. You don't have to be me or Tyler or Mark or Paul or Kelly. You don't have to be that person. I believe God has fitted fit mission to fit in your DNA, the way you are, the way you relate to people. Some of you have a gift of niceness. I mean that. You're nice. People like you. They want to hang with you. You're pleasant. You're cheerful. I should hang with you. (laughs) Some of you are great community builders. You're bridge builders. You love to connect people. That's part of mission. Do it! Start thinking... By the grace of God, outside the box of your four little Christian friends, and start thinking, how can we widen the circle? It doesn't mean you have to abandon your friends. And we're going to be presenting ways in the series next month. Practical ways. Praying through lists of people that you have noted and jotted down that you're praying for. Everybody in this room is connected to people that don't know Jesus in some way. People need to be equipped so they can contribute in significant ways. The people who got saved, uh, some of them were brought, but they weren't brought through me. People doing mission together.